If you uh, follow on Instagram or on YouTube, you'll see the creepy spot we're in. Um, I've got my friend Ollie with me today. But That's before great. I introduce him, um, roll the titles. This is me. This is the first podcast not not properly like in or around the bus. The books, yeah. It does feel weird. Does so it? guys, I have my friend Ollie <laughs> Ollie with me today. And actually, um, before I go into too far into the Oh, my back's making a noise already. Do I look over there or do I don't quite know where I'm supposed to be looking? Sorry, we'll just look at each other. Oh, that's okay. We'll just, we'll just, just chat and forget that these are even I just, here. Yeah, okay, sweet. Well, I've, <laughs> I've caught up now. I know what I'm doing. Kind of. So Ollie is a drummer and we've followed each other for quite a while now we have, on yes. Instagram. But you're actually from local to kind of where I am. Lincolnshire. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind Somewhere of. in the woods. Somewhere in the woods. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Somewhere in the potato middle land of field. Lincolnshire. In a field with sheep. Yeah. Somewhere. Oh, that's all we've got in. We've got potatoes. Lincoln has one hill. With a castle on it. Yeah. And you're in the flat area. I'm in the flat. I've got nothing. No. At least you've got hills and castles. Just castle. flowers. Nothing. <laughs> Strangely, flowers. you have a lot of flowers. A lot of flowers and dogs. There's a lot of dogs in my yeah. area. I don't know. I wouldn't. You do live in the middle of nowhere, literally. We do live in but Manchester. now you live in Manchester. I am. Which the is why we. Yeah, we best never city get, in the world. It is actually just very rainy, as we've been talking about today. Yeah. So wet and cold. Although the sun's actually out today, so we thought. Whilst the sun's out, it'd be good to lock ourselves in, in a, a tiny... Metal, in a metal box. <laughs> in a metal, metal box. So Ollie actually rents, um, rents a space, like a storage container, in this kind of creepy spot in Manchester. In it's the fine, middle of nowhere. just call it creepy. But it's a genius idea, like, hiring good, storage. Yes. So Ollie's a drummer, um, a session drummer. He plays gigs a lot. Um, and a lot of the things we're going to talk about today, because the topic of today is going to be about rehearsals Sweet. and rehearsing as a musician and stuff like that. Um, and this is Ollie's rehearsal space. So you've actually just hired out a storage space. A metal box, yeah. A metal box. And turned it into a loud metal box. A loud metal, a loud box. metal box. Yeah, because I thought these were sealed. And they're actually not sealed. Over the tops, no, there no. is gaps. So if you Even on the bottoms here, as well, like the doors don't. Yeah. No, not at all. Actually, yeah, I didn't even notice it underneath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I bet it gets very loud in here. But the acoustics, if I clap, so good. See what I mean? Ollie actually that's does... probably still going on the other end. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... probably still going on the other end. It's so, so nice in here. And actually, Ollie, you use this, you do your own sessions. They're called I do, yeah. storage sessions. Exactly. And... What's this? Has that ever happened before? It'll go off in two seconds. Guys, I'm so sorry for this on the podcast. Wow. Sorry if you, yeah, we probably just. Was that just the door opening? Here. Someone's, it's, yeah, it's when the alarm goes off and they've not put the code in properly. Ah. The guy's done it. That's all right. So, um, yeah, you, you, do, you do like live acoustic sessions in here. I do, yes. And understandably with the acoustics, you were showing me some of the sessions earlier, which we'll link some of them down below. I think oh, we're going to have some visitors. We're going to have some visitors, but I don't think it'll pick up. Then. It'll be it'll fine. Be um, so, yeah, Ollie does these sessions down in here and, and films them and you, you get people to do acoustic things in here. Rightly so, using the acoustics. But you also use this space to practice your drums, but you do that like after hours. But yeah, that's a, that's a... That's a that's what the main purpose of it was, yeah. like I say, rehearsal room. But it's uh, yeah, it's late at night, kind of when no one's around. Yeah, because in Manchester, like rehearsal spaces are expensive. It's expensive and they're limited as well. Like when I was first looking into it, you've, you've got like nine till eleven if you're lucky. Yeah. But then after eleven o'clock, it's shut off. Whereas I can be here twenty four hours a day if I want to. Any time of the day, and make anytime. after like five, you make as much noise. After as you five, want. I can. I mean, I can make as much noise. Like I was saying to you earlier, they are really nice people here, and they said I can play. One of the uh, ladies that runs the place, she said she enjoys listening to it. Really? So I, could, I could sit and play at two o'clock in the afternoon if yeah, I wanted to. If she was on. And... 
Just to, yeah, because like the offices are separate; they're not like in this bit, so yeah. you can't hear it too much in there. Yeah, it's not too much of a nuisance. I respect. I just try and keep it beyond five o'clock. Better really. safe than sorry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It I don't doesn't wanna, sound I don't like it's a problem for you too much. So the thing that I think is really sick about doing this is also the cost saving of it. Oh, like yeah. if you don't mind us talking about the no, cost, no, so you yeah. pay how much? Roughly, does it work out a week? It, yeah, about let's say twenty pound a week. Twenty pound a week, and you get a bit of a discount on that because yeah. you pay up front or whatever. So. And student discount as well, yeah. crikey. So, I mean, I, it, normally rehearsal space is for like two hours, like 20 quid. 20 quid, exactly. So you get a whole week's worth. The one thing I do have to add, which I forgot to mention to you earlier, is when you buy a unit, it comes with a certain amount of insurance on top, and that's standard. Wow, but, okay. But So that's why it might be a little bit more pricey. Yeah. But I have my own instrument insurance, so, so I just forward the papers, and then, and then it comes off. They take their insurance off, which is what brings the cost down so much. Because oh, wow. people don't realise that they're not just paying for the unit, they're paying for... A lot of the times you're paying as much for the unit as you are for the insurance. So yep. if I left my insurance in, it's about £35, £40 a week. Okay, okay. So that's where it kind of racks up. Yeah, so and it's, it's still it's still relatively cheap because you've got like, I'd say like a mid-size, what would you work out? 75, 75 foot square, square. Foot. yeah. But like, these are 75, that's 75. And then down the corridor, there's 200 foot square. There's the other side, there's 300. That side, there's 25. So they've got different ranges of, it's you know what I mean? If you was a guitarist with an amp, you could yeah. easily get in a 25 square foot unit. Yeah. And, and, and be able to practice in it and store out, yeah. your stuff. Yeah, so sick. And with the acoustics like this, I mean, I'd be in here recording videos every single oh, day, yeah. man. That's what I'm trying to do. That's yeah. what I'm trying to do. I mean, as a drummer, that's going to be harder. But if you're an acoustic artist, oh, could you imagine just how much just content the, you the could videos. make? It'd be insane. So, yeah, the reason I thought this would be a great podcast is because you've got this space and you use it to practice and rehearse. And I think it's. I think nowadays it's so hard, unless you're part of a college or a university, it's so expensive. Just so expensive, especially as a drummer as well. To and hire and space. last minute as well, like to try and find something last minute. A lot of the times, it's booked up. Places are booked up, and it's yeah. Like say, so yeah, it's, it's very handy. It's very handy. You found a great little little. What would it be like a pinhole? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't quite know. Um, uh, you, you found a loophole. In the that's system. the one. Pinhole. Loophole. Close. Pinhole. <laughs> Pinhole. <laughs> that's a new one. Loophole around that's the system. I think it's great. So anybody that is looking for like storage space, crossed up with a bit of uh, rehearsal space and like maybe filming space, this is a great option. Like, uh, yeah, I'd, I think somewhere like this would be super useful. I'd absolutely love it. Well, that's what I was. Yeah, it's, it's, they're coming from all over. I was literally saying, to, "I've jinxed it again." I've jinxed it again. Yeah, no one ever saying, comes. No one ever, ever comes. comes and now got. A, but to be fair, it's after work hours. What time are we now? Quarter to five. Quarter to five. So people are coming after work. I suppose. Yeah. So um, okay. So the main main thing I wanted to talk about today, um, and I thought you'd be a great person to talk about this with as a guest to the show, would be um rehearsing and how much people rehearse and how much you need to rehearse and all this. So I want to cover all these topics today. Okay. On an average week, how much do you practice? Oh, it varies. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's ever been a week where it's been the same. Really? Just, it depends really. Cause if I've got a lot of shows on, then sometimes the last thing I want to do is then go and set up all my gear again Yeah. to practice. Yeah. Um, but if I need to, if it's something that I need to do, then I will do it. But yeah. a lot of the times just like maintenance practice Yeah. where I'm just running tunes uh, that I'm, I'm always doing just yeah. to keep on top of him. So you're not like a sit down every day for like a couple of hours, three, three hours, practicing your parody diddles. I wish I was. I wish I was. Yeah, because some people are. Some, some people, people are like seven or eight hours plus oh, a yeah. day. And I, and I know that does do the job, but at the same time, it's I, I don't think I have the time really to do yeah. that. Oh, I, I, could ma- I could make the time to do that. Yeah. Easily. But it's just not something, I mean, you're, I, you sound very similar to me. Like um, we were talking earlier about the fact of 
I am not that interested in being a session player or a performer as such because there's so much that goes into it and there's so exactly. much competition. And I think the thing for me is, do I want to compete against all these people yeah. that are practicing seven or eight hours a day yeah. and then finding that actually like the pay to be a session player isn't that great. It's, it's a really not. difficult thing unless you set up your own brand and you're selling products along the side, like yeah. all of this and all that. It's a huge thing to do to put a full day's worth of practicing it every single day. And, and I think it then becomes about like some people do not because of a career or anything, but people no. do just want to do it because oh, they no, want to yeah. be the best player exactly. ever. And I think like, so I always compare it to um, like finances. So bear with me with this one. Yeah. So like if, if you earn a certain amount of money and you've got friends that are doing similar jobs or whatever, and then you end up getting, I don't know, you change jobs and you end up doubling your wage. Mm-hmm. You start then making friends with people that are up there exactly. and it's endless yeah. because then you want, you make friends with Mr. Microsoft and you still want to make more, <laughs> exactly, more money exactly, than Mr. Yeah, Microsoft. Yeah. And I think it's the same as, same with rehearsing and playing. Like you get to a certain level and then you realize, oh, this guy, you go to a gig and you see mm. this guy that's amazing and you want, you're like, okay, I'm going to learn everything that he learns. And then you get to his level and then you see people that's above him. And then it's just, again, it's endless. And I don't really have an interest of doing like seven or eight hours practice no, no. a day because it's just, for me, it's a, com- it's a competitive market that I'm just personally not interested in. Yeah. Um, do you feel very much the same as that? I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. My, my point of view is I would like to be able to do that because yeah. I do have the interest and yeah. I know, like I say, it's the, the market is ridiculous. Yeah, because you are a session but, player. Like, you oh, yeah. want to be doing sessions exactly, for exactly. artists. You want artists calling you up and saying, yeah. like, I want you to drum for me. Yeah, but then again, at the same time, like, a lot of the stuff, like, I could sit and work on fills endlessly. I could sit and work on, like, say, powder doodles and movements and stuff like that. But that side of stuff doesn't interest me. Yeah. I'd prefer to just do what people are asking me to do now for sure so your learning process is through what people exactly yeah call you up and say okay i want you to play these 12 songs can you learn it by next week i've got a gig and that's that's what i'd I'd prefer to practice stuff like that like sounds weird saying but like the real world stuff i guess you could say because that's more likely to happen than yeah someone say all right ollie can you come down next week and play power deals at 240 bpm for me for sure i mean like for sure you know what i mean yeah yeah, i know that sounds weird but it's that's that's how it is i'd rather work on so a lot of the stuff that i do is practice, but it's not involving the drums, like getting better at charting out tunes yeah. and getting better at listening to tunes and then being able to play them next time around. You know what I mean? Like yeah. stuff like that. I don't necessarily need to be behind a kit to do that. Yeah. Charting out tunes, I do it at my desk. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Bits like that. So I don't need to be spending seven, eight hours a day as much as I'd love to. Yeah. But again, sometimes too much of something can make you turn against it. For which sure. I found, I found sometimes where I've, where I've gone six days a week playing drums yeah. after like oh, two weeks, I'm kind of like, oh, this is... Yeah, just great. So I'd, I'd use the excitement. That. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing I like respect people for doing like seven to eight hours of practice a day. Like one, I don't know if I could find that many things for me to do every single day. No, definitely. I literally, <laughs> I think I'd run out of, I'd just be sat watching YouTube trying to find things to practice yeah, exactly. and learn. Um, do you think that the market has changed to have to need to be the best player? Like what, do, as a session player, playing for artists, do you think that you ever come up against like a situation playing for like a pop artist, for example, where you were like, wow, I wish I knew how to do, I don't know, 20,000 different chops and like loads of fills and stuff? I or- think, I think, yeah, that the market definitely as well with technology, like you look at, you look at a lot of drummers now, they're using hybrid setups and I turn up to a gig and think, oh, I'd love to be able to implement all these bits from these artist tracks, but I'm mm-hmm. limited to the fact that you know, up until recently, I didn't have an SPD. I couldn't do sort of stuff, so you had to emulate it in your own way. So, so hybrid setup, just for the people that don't know, 
can you Sorry, explain, can you explain said, what yeah, that sorry. is? Um, <laughs> so it's like a mixture between like electronic drums and acoustic drums. Okay. So like triggers are a big thing where you have a little trigger <laughs> yeah. on your snare. So every time you hit the snare, it triggers back and plays a, like a clap at the yeah, same time okay. or a whatever sound it may be. So then yeah. you can still be playing the grooves that are required, but you can also put in more sounds that the artist originally had. For sure. And an SPD is, is like those pads. A pad, yeah. Basically, yeah, those little black pads that have loads of different triggers. You, and you can sample all sorts on there. Yeah. And just, and yeah. Do your claps and stuff like Do your claps, exactly. And yeah. quite often then artists have that from the track, don't they? Exactly. So they have their sounds from the actual studio recording, put loaded on the... that, and then when you play it live, you actually have the, the, exactly. the, the, so the original much, sound. Like I say, it has times I've changed because, you know however many years ago when they didn't exist, it was just a it was just a case of either playing to backing tracks yeah, and there'd be claps sampled on the yeah. backing tracks and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But now, I think more is being asked. Yeah. Definitely, I think, anyway. So it's... There, are, there has been a lot of times where I've turned up and thought, oh, you know, I yeah. wish I could still play a tambourine on the two and four while playing a groove, while shaker in the background. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I don't have enough hands, but... But also, I think, interestingly enough, actually, when you say that, it's um, it then becomes about not if you're the best drummer in the world, it actually becomes about what gear have you got? Oh, exactly. What equipment have you got? Exactly. If you've got an SPD sample pad, you're going to get the gig for a pop artist over somebody that is just as a, I don't know, a jazz drum set up with brushes. Exactly. It's like, it's like the whole world of Ableton. I yeah. couldn't even get my head around. But there's people that will get the gig, not necessarily because of their playing, but they'll get it because they know their, their way around Ableton like the back of the hand. Yeah. So and Ableton is a... It's like a... It's it's like a, a, what they call a door, <laughs> yeah, door which is a yeah. um, digital workstation essentially, um, like Logic, Logic yeah. Pro, Pro Tools, all that kind of thing. But, but Ableton's more for like DJs, isn't it? DJs but they have and Ableton like live, and yeah, that kind of thing. So, triggering sounds live, and yeah, yeah. I say that's definitely the best one for like manipulating sounds live. Oh, definitely, that's the popular one. Without doubt, and you don't even think like as a drummer needing to have to learn about. No. No. workstations and doing triggering you know computer stuff live no. so and i i fully agree i think i think this is like a completely different market now where i don't think you have to sit there for seven or eight hours to pay to get to get the gig i actually last few years i've met so many musicians um the one that shocked me the most was i'm not going to name drop any names at all but there was a guitarist that i saw on a on a big gig doing a doing a big uh, european tour without sounding rude, like he, he wasn't blowing me away at all. I was like, you literally know the basic chords exactly. on an acoustic guitar. And he was playing for like a really big act. And I was like, how have you got this gig? Um, and then I realized he had like six different guitars. One of them was like a MIDI guitar. Mm. So he could play sounds from their tracks, yeah. but actually live on a guitar. So he had the gear um, to be able to, I, I, that's why, that's how he got the gig. I did find out okay. that that's how he got the gig because he had the gear. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, the poor sod that then applied for the gig that's been practicing for 20 years to try and get those gigs has lost out he's on the gig and he's it. an amazing guitarist, but exactly. just because this guy's got more gear. Um, so I think there's so many different opportunities to like grab out there and not necessarily having to practice and be like the best yeah, yeah. on your instrument anymore. Whereas I think once upon a time it was, if you're mm. not good on your instrument, then... But then again, it's like it's, it's a whole different ball game in the sense that you know, you could sit there and think, well, all I'm going to do is essentially hit this pad and it's going to trigger a sound that I need. Yeah. But it's even more coordination is involved in still being able to play drums and trigger a pad on your left hand side or trigger time. a pad wherever and knowing how to do it. So in a sense, even though there's not much practice involved in that, there is more practice involved in that because you've got to then implement it with the drums yeah. themselves. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, I said, like you saying, I'm not name dropping or anything, but I've seen a drummer do it before where they was doing like a drum and bass type groove, but they'd sampled it where all they had to do was play a 4-4 four, four groove 
and the snare sample was like a drum and bass type sample. Oh, okay. So like a real complex groove that not a lot of people be able to do without a lot of practice because your wrist would be going nuts. Yeah. He was doing by playing a 4-4 groove. That's crazy. And he plays with some of, again, I'm not going to say who's played with because it, but people he's played with some out. very big yeah, very big, big artist because of that. Did, did he program the drums then? That's the thing. So he used then he then used Ableton yeah. to program the drums. Okay. And then make it all work live. So then wow. it's not like they're turning up and being like, Well, this is my stuff, I don't know how to work it. They can also work with the sound engineer and just say, like, I need these outs, I need these ins. Yeah. All you've got to do is feed me this and everything else is sorted on mine. Yeah, knowing your gear. Knowing yeah. your oh, knowing your gear is that's a that's such a big thing. Um Yeah. I, I, I think I've seen so many people recently, well, I know I've seen so many people recently on gigs that will turn up with certain equipment, even like keyboards. A yeah. keyboard player will turn up with their own keyboard and get asked a question and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do And then um, knowing your stuff, like you don't want to create a headache for somebody else. And exactly. Like, That's crazy. I've never heard of that with the no. drum and bass thing. Yeah, That's yeah. Nuts. I, I was, because I remember I heard them sound checking and I was blown away. I was like, this guy, he's he's playing like this groove at this speed. His hands must be going skits. <laughs> but I walk in and he's just there like, yeah. Just chilling. Just chilling. I'm like, hang on a minute. And then he explained it all later on. Yeah. And but then that's a skill in itself, isn't oh, it? Exactly. It's like a, not an immediate Because some people are going to watch that gig and go, why is this drummer here? They're not going to know no. behind the scenes he spent hours. Exactly. And I'm not taking anything away from that. Like, I personally think that, because that's adapting, like you say, to the market, to exactly. the current market, yeah, yeah, yeah. adapting, taking the gear that's out and using it in the right way to gain a bigger gig, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and have I, your I respect own that. unique thing. I, I do well. respect that. But then yeah. at the end of the day, like you were saying, it's kind of like, the people that do sit there and put the time in to get that groove down, yeah, they're lost in the background because for sure, and it's it is sad almost that that's no, the it thing. is, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, so who's actually the smarter musician there out of the two? It's actually a big question. It um, is, yeah. I'd love to put that across to you guys. Listen to the podcast. Like, how do you feel about that? The way the market's going towards that, because in one sense, I think it's really exciting. Because if if that guy's doing that with drum and bass, imagine what some people could do. Like in five years' time, when when all this technology has evolved yet again, what's going to be the next thing? Yeah, and yeah, it is kind of scary for musicians as well because it's like, where's the where's there going to be space for, for exactly. us, and what's where is the market for us? What are we meant to be doing? But I don't know. I th- I'm excited for it. it. And like, there is there is parts of it because like that with the whole trigger thing, a lot of people are triggering drums, um, and then using other drum samples. So they'll take like a studio sample of a real nice kit. Yeah, put the triggers on. A crap kit. Sorry, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> a rubbish kit. PC, PC. <laughs> on a rubbish kit. And then they've now got out front a beautiful sounding kit for yeah. next to nothing. Yeah. Which again, that is a skill, but at the same time, it's like, so what happens to the people that have spent hours of their life learning how to tune? Yeah, yeah. What happens a... to, and it's stuff like that. Because you never even have to tune the kit. There's a brilliant, there's a brilliant, um, if anyone gets a chance, a guy called Jimmy Rainsford on YouTube. Um, if you go on it, he does like this metal song and he's basically put triggers on cardboard boxes. And if you close your eyes, he's playing this metal song on real nice sounding drums, and you open it, he's playing a cardboard box. Whoa. And that's the level that it's at right now. So yeah. you could go with, you could turn up at a show with a horrible sounding kit, yeah. not have a clue how to tune it, but if you know how to use triggers... That's crazy. I've seen guitars like that. I know there's guitars, like acoustic guitars, where they have a little dial on top, and as you're playing it, you can change it to sounding like a Fender Strat yeah, or like exactly. a Gibson Les Paul or something. You can change it. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Great for saving money, though. Oh, definitely. I'm not, like I say, it's... It's, it's the way the world's it's going. It's a good way. It's why a good not? Way of doing I, I, yeah, I'd argue, why not? If you can buy one snare and then buy a trigger that can give you so many other options, mm. I mean, granted, it's not going to give you the exact sound that the snare of the recording would, but essentially all you're doing with the triggers is using that as like a, a sensitive 
You know what I mean? That's yeah. all it is. It's just like an item I guess to hit. Every gig. Say you're in a really big venue one day and then a really small one the next. You you can change. Change exactly. You, you know, rather than tuning the actual drum, you tune it in the program. I assume. So you can still play with it. But yeah, that's crazy. It is. It's a. It's a very. And like I say, it's that's just scratching the surface. Yeah. With the things that that are out at the minute, it's. It's. But I remember seeing um, Pendulum. If anyone remembers Pen- Pendulum. Oh yeah. And all those like main lead lines, the synth lines, were played on a guitar, like a guitar thing. And, yeah. and he had different, oh, I can't remember his name, Rob, uh, Rob someone, the lead singer guy. He was like the mastermind behind Pendulum. And um, he did bring out his own album afterwards oh, right. when Pendulum broke up, which I only recently f- discovered. It's quite good, actually. It's uh, still not quite Pendulum, though. No, no, no. Um, but his guitar, yeah, on every fret was a button. So he played his guitar like a guitar, but it sounded like a synth. But then he could do like, he, so he had like this pad thing on the bottom of, of ow, <laughs> bottom of his guitar or guitar, whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call it. And it was like a glowing pad. And when he put his finger on it, I think the guy from Muse also has one. Right. Um, it's just like a glowing pad and then it's like a filter. So when he drags his finger around, it changes like those chaos, is it chaos yeah, yeah, pad yeah. things? Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So well, like I say, so it does, much... it does, it streamlines things as well. Because imagine if you were having to emulate all that live, yeah. how much gear you'd have to take and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then, it's like you've got to hire even more people, like more, more techs, especially at that kind of level with Pendulum, more techs to then cart all this gear around and more techs to make sure it's not breaking on stage. Whereas if yeah. you've got one instrument that does the whole thing. Yeah, you just got one. You've, that's it. That is it. That's it. Have a spare it one nuts. of that and then that's, you sorted. Yeah, and you can have any instrument in the world. I mean, unless you've got a cardboard box and then it, you're gigging outside, it rains. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't work at a the festival that way. Well, just turn dope. around and the drummer's just like a cardboard wet <laughs> mess on the floor. That's the thing, like, it's even that, like, you could take a cajon, like a box yep. type, and you could put a trigger on that, and if you had to turn up to a show where you're limited for room, yep. a cajon, hi and snare, the cajon, once you've triggered it, will sound exactly like yeah, a kick. Yeah, I've never thought about it. Can you actually buy those cajons that, where they've got triggers, like, built in? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You just plug it Electric in, it's cajon, like, a, yeah, yeah. like a MIDI cajon. Exactly. The, the, the snare could literally be uh, a stretched-out tea towel, as long <laughs> as the tension's on there to, to trigger the sensor. Yeah. And out front, you're playing a tea towel, but out front, it's a beautiful snare. That's insane. You know what I mean? It? It's it's yeah. And then and then then you've got the thing of like, okay, so then um, I think that the good thing about that actually is what I was gonna say was, do you need to rehearse then for technique? Because if you've got a nice drum, and actually probably still arguably yes, because um, you're still gonna need to know how to do drum rolls and whatever mm. stuff like that, but there's certain ways that you hit your snare exactly. in different ways. So you still actually do, even though that technology is there, you're still going to need some kind of referencing yeah, yeah. in terms of technique. Like I couldn't go and play a tea towel no. and make it sound as good as you play a tea <laughs> towel because you've got the well, technique yeah. down. So in that sense, you are, the, the musicianship has still got to be there. I think, I think like, I said, like you say, no matter what, even with the advancement of technology, practice is still going to be a thing. Yeah, You can't, unless something comes out in the near future, which I imagine at some point it will, you can't take someone that's never played drums before and put them in front of the most advanced drum kit yeah. that can sample all these sounds and play it and they won't be able to do a show. Yeah. You've still got to put the hours still in. Got, yeah, to be able it's to do just, that. It's just, I think, the hours are going elsewhere. Like, a lot more time spent behind the desk working out how to program these things yeah. rather than spent behind the kit trying to figure out how to make that, so that clap off the record yeah. on a drum. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, arguably then, you go around in circles to say maybe the, the workload's just doubled now. 
You could, Whereas yeah. once upon a time, it was just sitting in front of a kit or behind your guitar or behind your piano and learning how to do that. You've now, like, I can only reference myself, got to learn how to program sounds and how to change filters and, and how to add exactly. reverbs to stuff and delays to stuff. Like, it's not just sitting behind a piano no. like it was back in the jazz days exactly. of the 1940s exactly. and just playing. I mean, I, I get more frustrated sitting at my desk trying to get a sample on my SPD yeah. than I do sitting behind a kit trying to do a fill that I can't. Like I've, lo- I've lost my head more times at my desk <laughs> than I have in the practice room trying to get a new fill down. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's... I guess like behind your kit though, that's where your heart and soul is. That's oh like, yeah, and I'm more comfortable there as that's well. What like, you've, that's what you've originally learned. That's like the home base. That's the heart of what you do. So exactly. then when you're doing drum programming behind a desk, although you understand the theory, actually it's a completely different thing. Exactly. You, people have separate training. People do university degrees on programming. And that's probably why the, the people that are getting the big gigs with all this amount of gear not saying that their heart isn't in the instrument, but they probably have a, a passion as well for that whole programming side of things. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to work out what they're doing anyway. Because a lot of that for stuff sure. you can't just learn from someone. No. There's no tutorials on YouTube. There's no. no you know what I mean? It's it's trial trial by fire. Really, you've got to just go for it. And Throw in the deep end. Exactly. If it doesn't. And that's work. the thing that you like doing, right? Oh yeah. You love just being. You you were saying to me earlier that you love just sitting there. Getting a call saying, right, I've got a gig tomorrow. Can you do it? Yeah. I've got 12 songs for you to learn. And then you've got 24 hours to learn yeah. a whole gig. That's where you get your that's, kick. That's, that's where I get my kick. But then, like, there's been a few times, especially this summer, where I've played for artists and they're like, oh, can you get this sound? And you know, then you sit and you think, right, well, out of my 24 hours, I've got to learn these tracks. If it was just sitting and playing drums, I'd be fine. Yeah. But I've now got to spend a good few hours of them trying to get these samples onto here. Yeah. Which is then where your time starts to lose. Yeah. You start to lose your time because... It's not just a quick thing, you know what I mean? You can't just plug it in, drag and drop. Mm-hmm. It's not like shifting documents. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Putting something on a sample pad does take time and you've yeah. got to figure out where to, where to put it and like triggering backing tracks off sample pads and That's, getting the click to come yeah. out of one side and the backing track to come out of the other. It's, it and it's, it's a tough thing because even like triggering backing tracks, um, there's so many different ways to do it. We do it on our pad where you've got two pads connected. They're like linked together. Yeah. One's got a track on it, one's got the click. The click's being sent to one channel, which goes to his ears, and then the other track's front being of house. front yeah. of house. And then you've got to learn how to program to do that, and there's so many different ways to do that. Exactly. But, and that comes down to your responsibility. We've got a gig actually on Friday, and we've got a depth drummer, and I've had to send him all the tracks, and he's had to like put them all on his sample pad, and during the day on Friday, that's the test, that's mm. the make or break to see if he's exactly. done it right, so that we might lose an hour fixing And it's not like, like especially with stuff like that, it's not like if, if you turned up playing just drums and something went wrong, you can be like, oh, don't worry about that. I can fix that, let's go. If you turn up and the backing tracks aren't what they're supposed to be, yeah. it's not like you can just go ahead. Well, unless you've rehearsed with them, yeah. it's not like you can just go ahead with the show and be like, ah, it's right, forget the backing tracks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is a big responsibility. It's a very big responsibility. Yeah, completely. So you've got to know, again, you've got to know your gear to, to put your, your faith in that and, and that's a scary thing, especially for you as a drummer. I mean, oh, luckily for me, if I'm deaf in a gig, I don't have to. I don't have the responsibility no, of the backing no. track. Everyone looks at a, you when it goes wrong. Yeah, Everyone looks at you thing. when it goes wrong. This is a scary thing. And, and so you go to BIM in Manchester. I do, yes. Um, what do you? How do you find? Like, do you have a? Do you have a tutor teaching you drums at BIM? We have. So there's quite a few different units. We have different tutors for different units. Okay. Do they? Are they starting to cover this kind of stuff? Is it just drumming, or do they start to cover programming and stuff like that? Uh, they now? do. They do cover programming. There's yep. all sorts in. The course I'm on is professional musicianship, so we do have a professional musicianship lesson every yep. week, and they go through different styles and different, like I say, techie sort of stuff as well. And they yeah. they are bringing in more of that. Like, you can now hire out SPD sample pads from BIM and go okay. and sit in a practice room and work work through one. So they are um, accommodating. So they are, yeah, they are available because they are becoming like a 
such such a modern thing. Like like they up until about a year ago, I had no idea what they were. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. And then when you see the price of them, you still don't really want to know what they are <laughs> because they're so expensive. But then you have to when you realise how many more opportunities you'd get just by having this pad, it's an investment you have to make. It's for sure. It's like you say, it does change. It's changed everything really. Yeah. It is. Exactly. A, it is a something I've certainly ch- seen changing and, and not just for drums like everything even oh, yeah. even vocalists now I'm seeing with like pedals, these effects and pedal, pedals yeah and, and, and um, like harmony pedals I think is a big one that's been, yeah. they've been around for quite a while but that's now a thing so when people are doing gigs uh, or artists doing a gig they don't need backing singers now because they, there is the capability of doing it through a pedal exactly um, and it does become kind of endless oh. and I think I think it's never going to go backwards now like we're only going to go forward. So I think if you're a musician listening to this, um, definitely consider, see, see what you can do with your own thing um, and try and see how you can bring in, I don't know, something that's unique to you so that oh, yeah. that brings you value at the yeah, end of yeah. the day. The more stuff you're going to know as a drummer and more gear that you're going to have, the more value you're bringing to every artist yeah. that knocks on your door. Um, so like me and Marley, when we used to do gigs, we had a little stump box. Mm. Um, even just doing that, like that, gave me some gigs off the back of that because people were like oh that's really cool yeah. I'd like to do an acoustic set with you can exactly. you come play for me and do that and, and that was just a stump box it's like with, the, with the SPD I've learned the set that I do for a lot of weddings I've learned that on the SPD yeah because uh, a lot of the times uh, as you'll know yourself like when you turn up there are limiters of venues and bits like that and the first thing to go or the first thing that people turn around and tell you to be quiet on is the drums yeah so the worst comes to worst I always take my SPD and if I have to I'll just plug in and just play the set on the SPD yeah which isn't quite the same because it's no. a horrible thing to play an actual drum beat on. Yeah. But if I have to, that's, I mean, I'm hoping it never comes to that, but I've prepared just in case that yeah. does happen. It's smart. It's a smart way of doing it. Or if you're in a hotel room on a, on a tour or something like that, you can still practice. It's you always still been practice. the bad thing, thing with drums, isn't it? It's the just one just instrument had. you can't really practice. No. And then you, you get shoved on a cajon and you're like, ah, oh, it's not Yeah. The same. <laughs> no, it's, or what I used to see, I, I've not seen these for years, but there's little rubber things that you put on cymbals and on oh, your drums yeah. to like dampen, dampen it all down. Them. I think people have them for well, the kids now in that annoying little clicking sound. They sound nice. <laughs> It's just, I guess it's just like a, for a muscle memory yeah. kind of practice, isn't it? It's not actually to practice yeah. technique and, and stuff. And electric kits are quite small. So you yeah, they're getting good though now. Roland oh, brought yeah. out some amazing oh, ones. I was, I was hitting a snare the other day that was on a new kit. And just I tell you what, yeah, they don't, they don't far feel bad now. I remember, they remember the ones you used to get at school when oh, it was like yeah. drum kits were the <laughs> new <kits>. thing, <laughs> the big investment of a school. And it was just like hitting rubber. It was just going the next pads. day and it was just all bent up. And <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had stuck it Someone's super high. So it was like the drums were level. Your head. definitely drawn on the mesh heads as well. Some <laughs> stupid thing on the mesh heads. So a uh, question to you then. In terms of practice, what do you think is going to be the future with, with schools and universities? How do you think um, they're going to start tackling with students? Um, where, where do you think universities are going to start directing students to practice? Well, that's 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 the thing. It's it's um, you look at a lot of like universities in the UK that based around music. They have a lot of practice facilities, and sometimes they get abused. Mm. Sometimes they're not used for what they're supposed to be. Yeah. But then that kind of ruins it for all. Yeah. So I think I think the way like BIM do it, for example, is is a good way. They hire out through a different company. They've not got many facilities on campus. Yeah. They they like Pirate Studios, for example. Their twenty four hour practice. Um, Pirate Studios are great actually we've used them in London quite a lot there's, there's one in Salford they're nice as well oh they are, that's the thing it's really nice. nice 24 hour yeah. access you can go down you can book it out for 3 or 4 hours yeah and they just give you a code don't they, they so you don't have to talk to anyone let yourself in you don't have to talk to anyone no interaction straight needed. in don't have to talk to anyone 2018 <laughs> <laughs> so here you just get a code and then you go down but it's like 
I think that's that needs to be more. Yeah, if that makes sense. There needs to be more practice. Facilities. More of that because I think I think it's always it is always going to be a thing, and no matter what we talk about, practice is always going to be a thing, which yeah. is which is good. Um, I guess. I guess it's just what are you practicing for is the yeah. biggest question of this whole pod- podcast. Yeah. Um, because for me, my practice is very similar to you. It's through just playing. Just playing. Um, it's very rare that I have to learn new techniques for stuff, even though there are so many different techniques of things that I do. But the way I'm directing myself is personally to, uh, you know, to songwrite. So if there's something I need to learn or a certain sound that I want to know, that's what I focus my practice on. Yeah. But it's not like I'm practicing to perform. It's practicing to, and this is, this is another angle of it. Like if you're writing music, you're practicing to be able to, to bring out any sounds and any ideas that you've got in your head. You want to be able to translate that from your head onto your instrument. Exactly. Um, so I think that's a big reason for practicing. And I, I, again, I think that's endless. Yeah. Like I could sit and listen to jazz all day and I'd love oh. to be able to do like a proper jazz gig that was like you know really traditional jazz because i don't know that even though i'm nicknamed george jazzman holiday i actually got that <laughs> nickname from school yeah it was like way back and because i was doing i was actually playing some blues of some oh, kind some bluesy okay. thing and just yeah. pentatonic minor blues scale and um but in the school i was in there was no musicians i think it was four of us in like music throughout oh, the whole geez. of the school really small and because i was doing the blues thing to them that sounded like jazz so they were like hey george jazzman yeah and it just stuck. So like, I feel bad now when, when jazz musicians come to me and they say, oh, so who, how did you learn jazz? I did all my jazz grades, yeah. um, but that's as far as I ever did it. I've never had training. It's all been by the ear. And then I see some jazz musicians that are ridiculously good. Yeah. And I feel guilty because they're like, oh, what's your name on Instagram? I'm like, George, jazz, jazz I play more pop stuff yeah. than jazz. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, for me, the practicing is very much about, as a writer, um, getting my ideas out. And I think... Um, if I didn't practice in that kind of a sense, then I'd just be forever frustrated. I don't think my, my songwriting would definitely not yeah, be yeah. Um, where it is now. And there's, uh, there's you know, obviously so much that you can change and adapt and learn and, and advance yourself on. So do you do any writing? Uh, no. Not no, really? I, I sound like a three-year-old. <laughs> no, it's, it's not great. So your rehearsing then is just for, for purely performing? Oh, I mean, I, I write drum parts a lot. Yeah. yeah, I get sent a lot of tracks from songwriters that want, but as far as writing my own music goes, no, yeah. I don't do any of that. I do a lot of, drum track writing yeah um, so how do you find then with your practice um, because you you tend to your practice as you were saying was done through just the playing for yeah. a particular job yeah. um, do you ever find that you wish you practiced more for that sake of that drum, drum writing oh yeah definitely like especially a lot of times I'll send tracks off and then a few months later I'll be listening to that track and I'll be like oh I should have done that there or should, yeah. but I didn't know that that existed and couldn't have put that there because I didn't know about it at the time yeah yeah but I think I think that's one of the th- things I'm trying to stop doing now is, is going back and thinking about previous work uh-huh. because you'll just always pick yourself apart if you yeah. do. So, it's yeah. a big thing um, where a lot of people say you're only as good as the last thing you did. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I do agree with it. Yeah. I do agree with it. But then again, like sometimes I, I personally feel like I'm, sometimes I'm better some days than I am and I don't feel like I'm on a gradual improvement scale. Yeah. I think it's a bit... So sometimes I'll look and think, right, well, that was a good set of weeks, good set of gigs that week. Yeah. And the next week they weren't great. And it's not like a constant, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do agree with that, definitely. Um, but I think it can be different in some cases. It is a tough one in 2018, though, as well, because I, like you, I agree with it. But then I also look at it like the amount of content and, and songs that get put out there. I don't know. Can you remember what was on, like, 
Are you are you day to day thinking about what was on Taylor Swift's first album? No. <laughs> if it was the worst album I mean, she try, ever did, try yeah, I try not to. It's intentionally. Really, <laughs> <laughs> that's really hard one. Um, so, I, like, I think of it like I I can't even remember what was on her last album, but if she brings out a really good album next, it doesn't matter if the last one was bad because you get so much stuff like thrown at you in 2018 on social media and wherever yeah. else that it's so quick and easy to like forget about what the last thing was. Um, so I can't remember what my initial question was with that. The you're only as good as your previous. Oh, only as good as your, yeah, your previous thing. So like, what do you, um, what do you, what do you do then to practice to like move on from your previous thing? What's your practice regime to make you better? Have you got like a set thing that you do or a set place that you learn from to move on from your last? Not really, no. Because like I say, I'm, if I have done something that needs working on, I try not to dwell on that too much and just think, well, okay, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll, you, I will run, like say if I've played a song live and catastrophically yep. messed up, <laughs> I will run it a few more times. But yep. then I'll be like, well, okay, that's it. Because yep. I've learned from like doing it learnt from the mistakes and the fact that when getting new songs I don't sit and constantly uh, <laughs> <I hope>. <laughs> <laughs> manager. <laughs> yeah, I don't sit and um, just run them run them run them run them you know what I mean it, yeah. the better way I've found is run them a few times and yeah. then just let muscle memory kick in Yeah, because if you sit and run them so repetition rest, is your exactly. best way to practice exactly repetition but also breaks okay don't sit and if you get sent 12 songs and you've got 24 hours to learn them yeah. run the set twice yeah. have a break yeah. Then come back Let to it all sink in. Don't run the songs until you're sick of listening to them because you'd be surprised at how much you learn away from the kit mm-hmm. or away from the instrument. Like it doesn't all, you, not all the learning takes place behind. Yeah, I think, I think that's you know, a really good tip actually. I think. Yeah. And I think often I found myself, I remember when I was a kid learning stuff for my exams, um, I'd get to a certain level where I'd, I'd be nailing the song. I'm like, right, cool, I've learned it and I've still got two weeks to go for, for mm. the exam. And what I'd do, I'd do exactly what you were just saying to not do. I'd then play it over and over every time I came in from school and I actually get to a certain point where I start to play it worse yeah. and I start to make mistakes and I'm like oh no and then I'd have to go back quite a few steps to relearn how to play a certain thing because the muscle memory had then learnt it wrong exactly. and yeah I, I think that's a really good tip for practice I'd definitely um, record yourself as well that's the, that's the biggest one because uh-huh. like you just do you do that voice notes or do you just um, yeah voice notes anything, anything yeah. really um, a lot of the time like if I'm just sitting and jamming ideas I'll just put a GoPro on Oh, and just leave okay. it going because then you, watch yourself you can also kind of see what you're doing as well because yeah. if you sit there and sometimes I'm making a hell of a lot of noise and I can't quite actually understand like by listening what yeah. I'm playing so if you watch it back that also helps but like you were saying sometimes you feel like you, you're getting worse I remember one of my grades it was like the final grade I can't remember what it was one of the final tunes um, there was this one fill that I thought I'd nailed and I was playing it and played it so much and played it so much and then like a couple of days before the exam I showed my teacher and he was like, what was that? Oh, and I was like, oh, no. And it was completely wrong, like, completely wrong. Right. But unless I would have showed him, like, I just said to myself, I want to go and show him. I want to see what he says. Unless I would have done that or, okay, record yourself and show someone else. I'll just take some time away from it and then listen back to it. You will just get, I think it, you, you can get stuck in your own. Get lost in your own head. Exactly. And I think it's so different as well when you're... Um, listening back because you're listening as, as obviously the listener exactly it sounds so different when you play stuff doesn't it like I don't know even things like tempos yeah if you're at a gig and you're playing a certain song and you listen to it back in the car straight after the gig you go wow what why are that? we playing it so quick <laughs> exactly yeah. but in the moment 
in the moment you're just like, yeah, this is this is spot on. Yeah, yeah. It's so nuts, stuff like that. And actually, yeah, listening back is the most scary thing to do, I think, as a musician. Oh yeah, you do judge yourself. And I think um, we were saying earlier again about um, we basically had this whole conversation, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Um, we were saying earlier about being too much of a perfectionist as well, and and actually it can hinder you quite a lot. Because oh, yeah. if you just start putting stuff out, people follow your journey. The journey is like the most exciting thing for most people to follow. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you, you know, you're making slight mistakes because then people will look back on it and be mm. like, yeah, but look how far you've come on. Like, I'm so proud of where you've come to and this and that. But um, it is hard when you're listening back to not be like that. But you think just to like over oh, no, yeah. judge yourself. The amount of times and... I've like recorded something for a track and then I'm listening to it and I'm like, when I leave, like I close the door and I'm like, oh yeah, de- this is... Adele, it. Adele's going to be calling it. me up in a couple of weeks. I tell you, Adele's <laughs> going to be on the phone. And I get in the car and I listen to it and I'm like, what the hell have I just done? Uh, get back out who of the car gave, back Who in. gave me sticks? Like I should not have... <laughs> I, this, take this song back. I don't want to do anything with it. But then that's like, like you say, it's self-sabotage. You just sit there thinking, I've done this. This is going to be what I wanted it to be. But then the more you sit and listen to it, it can, you can do yourself over really. It's yeah. Yeah. It's so easy done. And, um, I think the most interesting thing about listening to yourself back is that one, you're listening to yourself again from a completely different perspective, but two, you then, you know exactly where you should be focusing your time. And I think yeah. it's really useful for that. Like, I think it's the, the best thing about listening back is you go, okay, well I'm nailing that now. How do I then, nail the next bit yeah. whereas if you were just sort of practicing every day and you weren't recording yourself you'd probably come back tomorrow thinking you had to work on something that actually you've nailed exactly. and you've got it right so I think that's a really top tip I think one of the biggest ones was me was I uh, spent a few years like when I first started playing drums on an acoustic kit and then I bought an electric kit because I wanted to practice so whenever I was playing acoustic drums I'd put my music in my ears and play along yeah and then I remember when I bought an electric kit it run the song through the electric kit and I was playing to it so yep. I could hear the drums as well as the electric kit and I was playing and I was like, hang on, what's going on here? Like I was just going, going ahead of the track so much and fluctuating so much. Really, but you never because noticed I'd never, it. I'd never noticed it because I was never listening to both at the same time. Right. And that's why I record myself so much now is because it might sound good to me, but as soon as I put it to something, mm. it sounds completely different. Okay. And I was, really I was actually like genuinely shocked. Like when I first did it, and I remember I'd, I'd like record something and I'd try and blame the microphones. Like, why are the microphone skipping there? And it's not, it's me. I'm like, it's clearly me messed up. I'm like, blame no, I'm, mum, listen, it's the microphones. They're, they're, for some reason, they're just skipping ahead on that Keep bit. Keep playing pain for my lessons. <laughs> so, so it's like, that, that, I think that so was, that was a big, big changer for you then. Definitely record yourself. Definitely. Okay, as that's great as it is, drums, yeah. As painful as it is. Do you ever record yourself along with a track or... I mean, I guess that picks it, like, if you're recording on a GoPro, it picks it all up, I yeah. guess, so you can hear it all. But do you ever um, actually sit down and record as if you were, like, in a studio? Yeah, so in my in my setup, in my storage unit, I have individual mics and all the drums, and because yeah. I do a lot of demos before going to the studio to say yeah. to artists and stuff like that. And it's just, just simple stuff like recording the whole kit to a track, going back and then just singling out the kick mic. Just okay. to see if that lines up, and because when the whole mix is in in full, you might be like, "Yeah, I'm rushing a bit, yeah, dragging a bit there, whatever." But until you single things out, like even just singling the hi hats mm-hmm. and listening if your eighth notes are spot on yeah. throughout the track, it's just little things like that that I wouldn't have thought to do unless I had the gear. Yeah, okay. But now that I've got it, it's, it, it does it does help and it does improve. 
Yeah. I think anyway. I By the way, a little ad for you, Ollie. If um, anybody out there is wanting drums on your track, oh, yeah. Ollie has a permanent I mean, I've probably, I've probably We were talking about it today. I think it'd be such a good little little business for you to just get people to send you their tracks and you just lay drums down for yeah, them straight yeah. away and it sounds so good in here. So if anybody's interested, get in touch with Ollie. I'll put his links down below. OllieTandonMusic.co.uk OllieTandonMusic. Ollie with a Y though, right? Yeah, Tandon. T-A-N-D-O-N, not, not the bike, not the two-person bike. <laughs> a lot, that's what I get a lot of. People are like, really? oh, I tried to find your website and I just couldn't find it. <laughs> I realised uh, I was looking yeah, at bikes. An N at the end, <laughs> mate, not an M. OllieTandonMusic.co.uk. Yeah. Okay, so okay. we'll put your link below. Nice um, so, final kind of, I don't know how long we've been going. Wow, 45-minute limit. Oh, wow. We're pretty much there. Um, final question that I've got for you then um, is, oh, I no. ask this to everybody. Oh, no, I've just realised this. You know the question, yeah, don't I know you? The question. You know the question because you listen to podcasts because you're a, you're a good friend. <laughs> I listen to podcasts and I enjoy podcasting. So if you could change the world in any oh, way, dear. whether it's superhero powers or, I don't know, you could change the world for the worse if you wanted to, what would you change? Change the world. See, I kind of want to, as much as I'd love to come out with some mad superpower, I'd like to try and keep it music related. Yeah. And it's going to sound cheesy, but... I'd like for people to have more access to music lessons. Okay, because great one. I think a lot of people this ties in so perfectly with what we're talking about. Exactly, today. exactly. That's what that's what is like. A lot of people don't have access to music lessons, and until they have that access, they never know what they could be capable of. For sure. And it's like, especially with education now, like they're getting rid of so much music because they don't believe that it's a the budget for music isn't pretty much non-existent now. It's bonkers, isn't it? Because they always say like with musicians, it's so closely related to like maths. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, I can understand English and maths, you know, they're, yeah. they're but it's like... But if you can do music and that improves your maths because it's using the same part of the brain. And I know it's, this is probably... Creativity very, levels as well. Exactly. It's a, probably a controversial thing to say, but it's like, why is science mandatory? Yeah. If other things aren't. Like, like Again, I can understand maths and English. It's like the two. Yeah. Maths and English and then languages they try and make mandatory and all this sort of stuff but it's like why isn't music on the same level like why is why is that not especially with it being such a big part of you know what i mean like the world i don't I mean it's, to listen. It's, it's a language exactly no one listens to equations being read out in the car it's music For music sure. is everywhere more people speak music than french exactly that's what i'm saying like exactly <laughs> but yeah french but yeah i do still have to GCSE. learn it at school <laughs> yeah and i can barely still say my name I, mean, that's hello, a, I think that's a really awesome one, actually. So, uh, free music lessons to all on you, yeah? Well, what's yeah. your limit on your credit card? <laughs> Not, nothing now. Nothing. <laughs> I'm a student. Please help me. It is a good one. Do you do lessons? I do, yeah. You do do yeah. lessons. Okay, well, if anyone's um, in the Manchester area and they're wanting some lessons, or maybe you've got a kid, or maybe you want your nan to have some lessons Definitely. for a Christmas present, I did a workshop. I'd love to see you teaching someone's nan. I did nan a workshop once uh, at an art gallery. Um, the youngest was six, and the yep. oldest was 78. She Whoa. was absolutely awesome, genuine. She was jamming to Billie Jean really quicker than I've ever seen anyone before. Funky and that's the thing, like people are like, oh, the older you are, the harder it is to pick things up. Absolute cod swallow. Not nonsense, <laughs> nonsense, absolute nonsense. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. So yeah. oh, free dude. music lessons, free music lessons. No, not, not even like that's the first one we've had that's music related as well. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I couldn't really think of a superpower to be honest. It'd be something stupid. I'd come up with something outrageous. So, like, not even free, like, not even free, I think just more access to music lessons. Yeah. And, like, even just, like... Because if it's something a kid enjoys and they want to do it, I'm pretty sure... They can the parents will then take it over. Exactly. And pay but even it. just, like, a couple of lessons. Yeah. Just to but get into the GCSE, like, a starter pack kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And well, if the government are paying for... I, I know the, I appreciate the government budgets are tied, but... Um, if, they're, if they're willing to sort of do French lessons and German lessons till GCSE, I'd 
think doing music as but well. But it's like when I harm. when I got to GCSE music, uh, I stopped having to pay for lessons. Right. Because I was already doing GCSE music, but to me that didn't make sense. Why give someone free lessons that are already into music? Yeah. Why not put that money towards giving people that have no idea about music? Yeah. Why not put the money so towards true. that? You know what I mean? It's just. I don't Backwards. think people enough like I've taught so many kids like when I used to do workshops so many kids come up and then they'd, they'd, they'd like not fall in love with it but they'd, they'd get hooked and they're like yeah. oh, I want to do this more yeah. I mean whether it's a year long thing or a lifelong thing you never know or a week long thing sometimes Yeah, I used my drum kit as a clothes hanger for the first few years but then it came back around you know what I mean and it's, yeah for sure So it's, I think um, if any what I'll do is um, on Instagram I'll put a post and if anybody knows any community um centers or anywhere that's doing free music lessons because i know there are some around yeah. uh if, if you know of a community or you know somebody that does free lessons or whatever uh drop us drop us a comment down below um and we will hopefully put some people in touch with some other people yeah. that can help out well, I, i've always said that if anyone's if anyone wants to have a you know 20 minute half an hour lesson on the drums and give me a shout you know what i mean give I'm, it a taste I, I, I don't I, I could sit there and do that all day yeah it's not very kind of you. You know what I mean? Oh, you're it's, not nice guy, some, <laughs> it's not even something like I'm. Uh, it's not even a money making scheme. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just a. If other people can get to experience it, then yeah. Awesome. I think that rounds off really nicely this whole whole conversation. And Thanks for having me. It wasn't really a debate about. It wasn't um, debate. It was just a conversation about yeah. um, rehearsing. I think it's a really interesting topic. If any of you guys are listening and you've got um, anything to say about rehearsing, any of your opinions, any of your thoughts. Definitely drop by, get in touch. Having loads of messages through on um, Instagram at the minute. It's George Jasmine Holiday with two L's. So yeah, drop on by, pop us a message. Feel free to give Ollie a, a good odd follow as well and see him playing drums it. and you can <laughs> see some pictures of this unit as well. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think anybody that's wanting to practice or store some stuff, I think this is a great money Sofas saver. Sofas are great so. in here. So the what? Sofas are great in here. There's so many sofas in this place. Is there? Oh, that's all people use it for. Oh my Beds days. and sofas. Beds and sofas. Beds and sofas. I don't know why they're Oh, I see what you mean in each. I thought you meant just like open to like if you want to if you own a storage space and you want to have a sit down they've got one at the end of the oh, corridor no, 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 no. I, I didn't realise you meant in, in each one. no there's not a cafe at the end no 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 it's just it's literally used for storage so yeah, yeah if anyone's wanting practice rooms get, get in touch obviously let them know what you want to use it for but yeah find a storage unit local and give it a shout Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, as always, leave a rating, leave a comment, uh, give this a share if you want. To, if you think there's uh, musicians or creators out there that are going to benefit from it, please do um, spread the word. Um, look after each other. Take care and remember, never stop creating. Oh, this is made on the road. Go on, I'll let you finish it. No, it's fine. It's fine. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> this is me on the road. The best podcast you'll know.